that the U.S. does not want. All right. Got to leave it right there, KJ. As always, we appreciate the good information. My name is Dennis Bernstein, and we're Smack Against the Clock. Talk to you tomorrow. to invite you to listen to Fortress on a Hill on KBOO Portland. My co-hosts and I are three leftist veterans that aim to expose the reality of the U.S. military's multiple wars abroad and illuminate the damage military service does to Americans and foreign citizens around the world. How can we stand by and do nothing while our military kills and destroys the lives the world over? while telling Americans that all this death and destruction protects them from terrorists when nothing could be more false. Fortress on a Hill aims to change that. You can listen to us at 9 a.m. on the second and fourth Thursdays of the month right here on KBOO. And thanks. You are listening to KBOO Portland. KBOO programming is made possible by KBU member listeners and support from PDX Pendable Stage and Studio Supplies. PDX Pendable sells and rents to film and theater productions, from gel and globes to paint and lights, featuring the latest airy LED lighting. More information available at 503-887-5880 and at pdxpendables.com. I'm Dee Mae Roberts, stage and studio. We're listening to Portland musician David Ornette Cherry. Find out more about his music at davidornettecherry.com. It's been more than a year since I featured my guest, Damaris Webb. So much has happened since then, and I'm eager to find out what's been going on with her. Damaris Webb is an actor, director, teaching artist, and the co-director of Vanport Mosaic. She has performed her solo show, The Box Marked Black, Tales from a African-American Growing Up Mulatto with Sock Puppets for several years. And she's been one of the finest directors I know. And she's directing a solo show soon for the Fertile Ground Festival, which we'll talk about later. But first, I want to welcome back Damaris Webb. Oh, hi, thank you, D-Mave. What a sweet and wonderful introduction, <laughs> my goodness. Well, we've known each other through the years, but uh, I've seen, I think, most everything you've directed so far in town, and it's just remarkable. The last play, Pipeline at Portland Playhouse, and then, of course, I'm blanking on the name, but the wonderful show with uh, Lauren Steele. I mean, that was, what was it, Queen of... Queen's Girl in the World with Black Miss Rap, yeah. Just, mm-hmm. just wonderful work, and of course, Sold, and you know, there's just so many shows to name. At Vanport Mosaic, you know, Left Hook, um, to name one at least. <laughs> so anyway, it, it's just a pleasure to see you because I can't believe it's been since 
the pandemic started in March. It's almost a year now. And I believe it's probably been that long since we've seen each other, definitely by person. Um, I don't think we've even been on any Zoom calls together or anything. So it's been at least a year. Yeah. 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 Yeah, probably since Pipeline when that was. And doesn't that seem like a long time ago? You know, it's like time is so long and then so quick right now. It's 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 very hard to um, to hold on, and I think that's been true for everyone in the world. So, how 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 we're finding our relationship to time? Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's long and then it's quick in in the ways that each day sort of seems like the same to me. So so it's mm. it's hard to tell you know which day is it now you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, I was saying I was saying to a friend it's um I know it's the day that it's supposed to rain a lot or the day where we're supposed to have some more sun. I I agree with that. It's like today was a day with a little sun. You're right, and then it's going <laughs> to rain a lot the next day right <laughs> so that's yeah. it's, it's almost like we're going back um to a time where life was like that you know yeah you consulted the farmer's almanac and you and you yeah. knew what you were gonna do <laughs> go out <Yeah>. there <laughs> or not that's true demon that's going way way back <laughs> you know but uh yeah it does it in many ways it seems simpler how have you been through all this well, that's a hard thing. I mean, a lot of people yeah, have been going a- through a lot of self-reflection. I have. I've certainly learned what I don't want to go back to and, you know, the changes that I've made in my life that, I, that I'd that i like to keep in many ways, you know? And yeah. what have you been thinking about? Whew. Um, yeah, that, I mean, this has been uh, the, the, the multiple pandemics um, entwined with uh, COVID, um, with Black Lives Matter movement, uh, you know, and trying to understand how to stay cracked open and curious. That's what um, I've been feeling my work should be for myself personally, as well as um, in my communities. And, um, you know, I, I think anything that I would have to say, other people have uh, experienced as well. Sometimes this feeling of uh, the possibilities, you know, I mean, I, I would say that one thing is absolutely true that we or at least for myself, I have been suffering, I have been in pain, but I have been alive. And a lot of things that um, maybe even for myself, I didn't want to face or uh, interact with on such a cellular level, um, I've been forced to. And uh, although that is messy and painful and confusing and terrifying, and I want to push it away, Way, I hope that, you know, when we look at this time and there wasn't clearly there wasn't a, a firm line in the sand when the new year turned over, right, that uh, we have the opportunity to to learn and carry forward from these experiences. Otherwise, you know, all of this was was for nothing. Well, we've certainly in our lifetime have never experienced this lengthy period of change where it yeah. seems like it, it keeps on going, you know, because there's so much work that I think as a country we have not faced, you know. Yeah. And right now as we're talking, it's it's the day after, um, because this is pre-recorded, it's the day after Trump supporters stormed the Capitol building that left people dead. Um, and 
essentially was an insurrection. And I think yep. that the had, you know, the, the overwhelming thought to me, besides just the horror of seeing how well the police treated these rioters, these domestic terrorists, you know, how well they were treated. And it was a stark contrast to the Black Lives Matter protests and how there was such an overreaction to um, that ended it with so much violence that was unnecessary, you know, to peaceful protests. And so that stark contrast still shows how much more work we still have to do. Yeah, and uh, I was talking to um, Martha Bakes playwright Don Glenn uh, earlier today, and um, we were reflecting on, um, you know, back in uh, 67 when the Black Panthers armed, you know, entered the California Assembly, uh, they, you know, no violence happened. And uh, when the police finally decided that these Black people with guns, this was too much, uh, were escorted out, you know, they were arrested very closely thereafter for, you know, a seditious behavior. And um, and then, you know, the, the FBI rounded them up. Right. There were there were charges uh, placed against them. Um, you know, they were incarcerated or they were broken apart. Right. And then yesterday we had uh, people literally breaking in to the Capitol building with the Confederate flag. With the Confederate flag, that war happened. It's over. And um, Congress was stopped. People were terrorized. So what justice will happen here? This is really my question. And this is, you know, and then going back to look at, uh, this was last year was the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment and the ratification of the Constitution to give women the right to vote. And that it took that long for our Constitution to be amended, uh, for women to be included. But, you know, somehow uh, the women did not rise up for a revolution and insurrection. So, I mean, the, the subtitle of this play, Martha Bakes, that's coming up, I mean, that, I was talking with Don this morning, he was like, wow, the, a, a revolution and insurrection that never happened. And, and then we had this yesterday. So, you know, there have been a lot of people who have been unhappy about the, the, the pace with which progress happens or uh, with their lot in life. And yet we, you know, live in the United States of America and we have faith in our democracy. And to look at yesterday, it was like, well, here we are. The, the, ban the last vestige of bandages have been ripped off. Well, I do want to talk about Martha Bakes, but I'm also, as I'm listening to here, you know, as I'm listening to you, it, I'm reminded of last June at a Black Lives Matter protest here in Portland. Uh, you gave a speech and you t it was very moving and you talked about how people should use their privilege. I'm gonna play a clip. But the question is, how will I use my privilege, my sphere of influence? Don't tell. In the theater, we are asked to step into the lives of other characters on the daily. But for black and brown performers, all too often the roles that we are invited to embody include the story of a lynching, the narrative of a slave, 
the downtrodden exploits of a small-time hustler, or perhaps even more insulting, that second or third-tier Shakespearean character that producers feel safe casting as racially ambiguous. Yes, our stories need to be told, all of them, even the painful and traumatic ones. But whose lens are our brown and black bodies' stories being told through? The irony is not lost on me that Broadway is nicknamed the Great White Way. Don't tell. White leaders of established theater companies in Portland, good people, have confided to me that they would like to do more POC-centric stories, but they're concerned their patrons aren't ready for it. What about you? Are you ready for it? Yeah. Don't tell. So in your, your speech, what did you mean by uh, don't tell show? We, I'll speak for myself and what my call would be is that we need to buy the actions that we take, not just by our, um, you know, lip service or, oh, that seems like a good thing, like literally on, you know, on the line, in the room, what are the actions that we will take? And I can't say what they should be. Everyone has to decide that for themselves. But uh, you, you, need to, you need to show, not just tell, that things are going to change or that you are engaged in the process. Do you feel that a lot of times people talk the talk? Sure. And I mean, I know that I've been, you know, been in that same place before and that, you know, the, the, what is it, the three, I hope I'm not going to get it wrong, but the, the tenets of the Buddhist teachings, you, you, you know, you receive them first and then you, you know, you have to contemplate them. You, you have the teachings that come to you and then the action that happens. And so it's not an overnight process and we're all going to be at different places on the spectrum and that's okay. It's not like we all need to be doing the same thing or saying the same thing. So I would say that speaking and, and becoming familiar, educating yourself and, and becoming familiar with history, knowing your history. Um, if we're going to talk about the Constitution, let's know the Constitution and how the government works to engage that way. But uh, then you need to decide how you are going to take action. It's not enough to say, well, that, you know this should change. Oh, I just feel bad about that. It's like, what are you going to do? Is it about how you spend your money? Is it about your physical activism? Is it about speaking up? Yes, it is talking in a room where something is going a way that you know morally and legally should not be going, you know? And then when it comes to money, uh, when it comes to business, because that is, right, how, how, how we move in this United States of America, uh, how, how, where are we going to make those financial things show, right? You're listening to Stage and Studio. I'm talking with Damaris Webb, director, actor, and co-director of Vanport Mosaic. And you can find out more about Vanport Mosaic at vanportmosaic.org. And I have that info at stageandstudio.org too. As uh, you know, you describe how we can show, you know, I'm also thinking in terms of 
how Portland has shown how it's changed through the years, you know, and and certainly through Vanport Mosaic, you have you know, documented history of gentrification and displacement of people of color here, of, of spe- especially black Portlanders and the black community. But I'm wondering what your personal history is. You know, as a third generation Black Portlander, what changes have you seen in the earlier years? Yeah, well, part of that is just some of the changes you've seen here in Portland as a whole. I mean, I think we all, a lot of Portlanders, um, you know, bemoan the Californiacation of people moving up. And at the same time, uh, you know, the, the financial opportunities have grown here. And I mean, I, I, I'm hopeful by uh, some, uh, you know, I, I hope that it's not a situation of this being the like, you know, taste of the day, you know, the burger that's on the menu right now, that Black Lives Matter and support of um, Black artists and Black businesses. I hope that this, you know, will really be be the walk the show that Portland does I mean I know when my dad was you know here as a younger man uh you know he sat at the lunch counters you know he 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 tried to engage those ways I mean there were businesses that he was turned away from you know and I I hope I mean I know it is not true I know it is still not true that all businesses here in Portland are accepting but like my ability to walk through uh, Portland um, is different from how my dad's ability or my grandmother's ability was to walk through Portland. And, you know, also by virtue of the fact that I'm uh, I'm a lighter skinned black person. I mean, in a lot of ways, I'm more, um, you know, passable. And I think that Portland as a a whole uh, is engaged with these conversations and the, the terminology in a different way. I mean, this is a learning curve for all of us, right? Me included. Um, I do see that. I do feel that. And at, at Black Lives Matter rally uh, this summer, I was struck by one of these black speakers saying, you know, you, 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 you white people who are showing up uh, every night and saying Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, you know, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm actually beginning to believe that you really feel that. And that broke my heart and was also deeply true. In your uh, your solo show, I keep coming back to it because it's so memorable, <laughs> The Box Mark Black, you tell several stories about your childhood. Can you describe some of them? Um, I, I grew up, I'm, my father's a black American, my mother's white American, a Finnish American, first generation my, on my mother's side. And then my parents were living in Africa. My father was working for USAID when I was born. And so we spent several years in Tanzania and in Botswana. Uh, so I haven't even <laughs> more confusing perspective about race or uh, different experiences. And being in Africa and knowing that even though you were brown skinned, you were not African, you know, knowing that there were certain places that um, I, I mean, I remember traveling with my parents and going to I think it was, it was Puerto Rico. I mean, we'd been in South Africa during apartheid. And then to be in Puerto Rico, which was the place where I remember the most overt racism that we experienced 
in Puerto Rico. And this neighborhood that I, I mean, I grew, I live in a house that my uh, father's parents first lived in and owned here in Portland. So I'm the third generation here in this house in Irvington. And uh, definitely my neighborhood has changed. There's, you know, this was when I was growing up a predominantly black neighborhood. And now on my block, uh, Margaret Carter lives on my block. And then there's two other black families that are on my block. You're listening to Stage and Studio. I'm talking with Damaris Webb, director, actor, and co-director of Vanport Mosaic. And you can find out more about Vanport Mosaic at vanportmosaic.org. And I have that info at stageandstudio.org too. Before we talk about Martha Bakes, I'm I'm wondering, um, will there be a Vanport Festival in May again? Yes, although, uh, you know, that there will be a percentage, a large percentage of things that uh, will be virtual again. And then we're hoping that we'll be able to have some of the small, smaller uh, physical outdoor things uh, like walking tours, like Mr. Ford's walking tour um, of historic Albina through the Black Panther party lens um, and other We'll look for things that, you know, can match up that way because we miss being together, right? We miss being together. Yeah, I I think that's kind of possible. I mean, it should be, right? Let's hope so. So let's talk about Martha Bakes. Uh, The subtitle is A Biography of a Revolution and Insurrection That Never Happened. And it's written by your longtime friend and collaborator and my friend too, (laughs) Don Wilson Glenn. And it's a solo show, and it has a, a wonderful theater artist that I've worked with way long time ago, Adrienne Flagg, and she performs Martha Washington. So I have to ask, why, you know, maybe I should ask Don this, but why Martha Washington? What? Well, first, first uh, let me say that we're presenting only Act One of Martha Bakes in The Fertile Ground, which is Martha's biography. And there is still Act Two, which is Ona Marie Judge's solo show. Uh, and then there is a third act, which will be a denouement between the two of them. So it, it, it uses the device of the solo show, but in two actually separate acts. Um, and so what, see what happened, Dime, was uh, I guess now two summers ago, Don and I were uh, talking and thinking that uh, we were coming up to the 100th anniversary of the suffrage movement and that, you know, that amendment of the Constitution uh, giving women the rights to vote. He was talking about... Um, how women during that time, you know, had been a a very integral part of the Constitution and the birth of the nation in keeping the men civilized over dinner parties, uh, you know, so the factions that had been always with us as a nation. Um, And uh, it's like, you know, it would would be amazing if you could write uh, a play about that. That that would be really cool. That would be something that could help us celebrate and learn because there was so so little information that at least I remember learning about um, the revolution and the birth of the Constitution and our founding mothers. And then, you know, COVID happened and we, you know, everything got put on hold and 
wasn't sure how any of this would would go forward. Um, as I know, many other businesses, uh, the theater especially, trying to understand how any projects could go forward. And then Don and I had already spoken about wouldn't this be a wonderful opportunity to, from the very beginning of developing a new piece, consider how curriculum and um, you know study guide and these kinds of materials could be developed alongside it so that the piece as a whole has an educational opportunity because it's based on underheard history. So then uh, with our theater world adapting and all business adapting to Zoom and virtual, uh, the next step was this idea that, well, okay, so how about if we actually film it? Like literally film it and edit it. Uh, and not, not just in the Zoom way, but in a larger way with the idea being that it can live for educational opportunity. And the, the, uh, a wonderful group called People for a Mutual Education, who are um, just kind of coming out about in this last year, are on their way to develop the uh, curriculum and study guide materials that teachers can use in the classroom. And now since COVID, with everyone in the classrooms having to be able to adapt to this, it seemed like a good marriage to um, find pipelines to engage young people and older people in this, in, in this part of our American story or her story. Her story, not his story, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. What issues does the, the play bring up? I mean, that. what do we learn about Martha Washington? You mentioned Adrian Flagg, right? So she uh, just is a joy <laughs> on all so many levels. But this play, although based in historical fact, imagines a fictitious slave uprising on Mount Vernon. And the fact is that when George Washington died, he left in his will that upon Martha Washington's death, his slaves would then be set free. So this play imagines that the slaves have somehow learned the details of George's will and just Martha standing between them and freedom. And so an uprising has begun on Mount Vernon and Martha barricades herself in the colonial kitchen and to calm herself begins a cooking show to us. Um, she makes her three-course meal, and as she does, she recounts her participation in the birth of our nation and her participation with scant representation. And so we learn about a we learn a little about all of the you know the founding mothers and her relationship with them, and then we are also introduced into what part is her uh, story that she tells about how she can make it with all these uh, opposing forces, right? You know, I own slaves, yet I feel that we all should have our inalienable rights. I, mm, 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 right? So it's not an easy, like, direct line, which, you know, offers, quite frankly, for a lot of situational comedy. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's so many contradictions in just what you just said, right? Exactly. But I'm hoping yeah, yeah. that um, that she will be baking something that's 
historically correct now. I mean, back then, what did they eat? I really probably wouldn't like it very much. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And, you know, my my thought was that we would, for this year's Fertile Ground, you know, everything, as I'm sure many theaters have the experience of being very much off their schedule. And, you know, I was like, well, we'll just do a staged reading for Fertile Ground. But this play is so physical uh, in its storytelling. And Adrian Flagg is so delightful as a physical performer that um, we we just went there. So it is the mo- I promise you, this is the most physical staged reading you have ever ever seen. Well, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Definitely. Martha Bakes, a biography of a revolution and insurrection that never happened. Wow. That whole insurrection thing really rings yep. true right now. Premieres Sunday, January 31st at 4.30 p.m. and it will be available through February 15th. The runtime is 50 minutes and the show will be available through Fertile Grounds Facebook page and also YouTube links and you can find all that at fertilegroundpdx.org and there's also more info at vanportmosaic.org and I have that link at another.org stationstudio.org you know, I, I also wanted to give um, a big uh, shout out to our film director, Nora Coley, who is incredible. Uh, she and Misty Eddy, this was an all-female cast and crew, too. Uh, we, ha- we had an opportunity to, to pause in rehearsal to watch Kamala Harris's acceptance you know, speech of being our newest vice president. So that was, that was an exciting moment for all of us, vice president-elect. Damaris Webb, it's so great to catch up with you. I mean, seriously, I miss you. I, 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 miss I sincerely you miss you. I do. And it's good to see you and to talk with you and to know that everything's fine for right now. We're, 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 we're here, we're alive and we're, we're looking to the future while still being connected to the past. I think there's, there's so much to look forward to. And right now, you know, this pandemic has kept life pretty simple for me. And so I just appreciate all the things that are good. And that's what we have to do as long as we're alive and as long as we can have a modicum of happiness, I think we're doing okay. And health, right? Yes. Yes. Deep gratitude. Thank you. Gratitude for you for being here today. That's it for Stage and Studio. I'll have this show online later today at stageandstudio.org. You can also like us at facebook.com slash stage, the letter N studio. Till next time, I'm Demi Roberts. We're going to go out with a song that I like that keeps me happy. It's called Stick On Me by Joe Kai. And here is music at joekai.com. So I have been with you. But I know not where we go. No, I am no longer scared. But I find that I'm reaching for. You're listening to KBOO Portland. Andy
Art Focus, presenting the first in a series of studio visits during the pandemic. My name is Aurora Josephson, and I moved to Portland with my mom, artist Mary Josephson, in 1979. She attended PNCA, and we both were raised by Portland's vibrant artist community. I recently moved back to Portland from the Bay Area, and I've been visiting the studios of the artists who helped raise me. The central questions I have for artists during my studio visit are, what are you up to now? 